Welcome to GE Vital Voices, where we help move the conversation and solutions forward. GE Healthcare is focused on precision health. Doctors, nurses and clinicians are often under-resourced and overburdened. And COVID-19 has brought this front and center. Solving the industry's productivity challenges by improving access, enabling more precise patient diagnosis and treatment, shortening hospital stays and wait times, and lowering overall costs is more pressing now than ever. GE Healthcare is about delivering on the future of healthcare by enabling precision health, integrated, efficient, and highly personalized care. Welcome to another episode of GE Vital Voices. My name is Elena Schutz, and as you may know by now, I am a freelance health journalist who frequently thinks about the space and works in the space. And I feel like we talk about healthcare workers so much. This is a moment to have a conversation to talk to you about the issues that are important and that affect the space and really what is vital in the healthcare sector in South Africa. So that's what we do on the podcast here. Now, I don't know about you, but if you think about healthcare in South Africa, what is it that comes to mind? Is it the crowded, busy corridors of Krasani Baragwanath Hospital, one of the biggest on the continent? Or is it a small rural clinic that really is the heartbeat of that village or that community? The thing is, where you are in South Africa and what healthcare you have access to has a huge impact on our patients and on the care they receive, but also on healthcare workers and the experience they have in those spaces. So I thought, let's take some time and talk about this. And I have two amazing people with me today to speak about both sides of the coin, both the rural and the urban, and, and really have some helpful insights. On my right, I have Lingile Gamede, who is a project officer at the Rural Health Advocacy Project, which does a lot of amazing things in this space and works with people around the country. Uh, she's also a registered nurse. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. And then on my left, Professor Shabir Musa, a family physician at the University of Witwatersrand. He runs the Chevelo Community Practice in Soweto, which does some really interesting things in this space. And I think we can learn a lot from it. I've had the privilege of visiting it before. And he is also the executive coordinator of the African Forum for Public Healthcare. So lots of things there, but I'm so glad to have you here for this conversation. Great to be here. Thank you. So let's start with you, Ms. Gamede. What is the lived experience of patients and of healthcare workers, specifically in the rural space? Sure. Well, I think... Firstly, I'll start with healthcare workers. You know, as we all know, we have inherited a very fragmented healthcare system from the apartheid era. And, you know, this has resulted in multiple inequities, you know, particularly the maldistribution that occurs between, you know, urban and rural. So rural health facilities are, you know, challenged with shortages of healthcare workers. And this, of course, has, you know, an impact on the users, which is our patients living in rural areas, um, in that they come to facilities that are not well resourced, you know, have to wait prolonged hours. And, and not only that, but they come from very far 
homes, you know, because like geographically, rural areas are just, you know, very sparse, particularly, you know, very far away from the health facilities. So it's just a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a lot, you know, but the major thing I'd say is, is access, the lack of access to proper quality healthcare is a major, major challenge. Um, in rural areas, and it just causes a lot of stress for both healthcare workers and patients, and and care is compromised in that sense. I think most of us are aware that access is a problem across the spectrum, but of course, it makes logical sense that if you have one specialist oncologist or whatever it might be, even a specialist nurse, they're probably going to be in an in an urban area, even if it's hard to access them at least they're there mm. so even logistically it makes sense that if there is an overall access problem that the rural areas are going to be quite hard hit yeah definitely by that prof musa let's speak about this holistically and, and speak a little bit more about the urban side of things what is the experience there in contrast well uh, i was a rural practitioner for many years so I used to go with my very old Mercedes, you know, on bumpy roads to reach very distant spaces, go into a shop, get a room and see patients. And I understand that challenge of access, the distances and the difficulties with terrain and living there, you know, under difficult circumstances. And I think urban settings are different. But I don't think that the, the idea that somehow urban is well endowed is true. And in fact, the problems where I am in Soweto, the very experience of patients in that community right next to a community health center, which has, yes, a lot of services that compare better to a rural setting like I've been in, but yet people have exactly the same experience, mm. that they will have to sit for hours, literally coming into the clinic and waiting at the gate from 3 a.m., and this is right next door to them. And then having to wait eight hours while they're being seen. And then to get an unacceptable service in terms of the quality. Or to be sent pillar to post because of the fragmented services. Because, you know, immunization is dealt separately from child health care mm. or the antenatal care or family planning. And so a mother with a child, imagine the cues she has to do. So I think that there's some deeper problems that affect our health. And I think that the urban-rural divide is not as simple as it's made out to be. And I do think that there'll always be the need to address rural communities. But I think the real problem is the health service. And I think Lungi's pointed out some of these challenges, which is the way in which it's constructed. And what I'm doing in Shawello is, in fact, exploring how, given the NHI, we could, in fact, do it differently. It's an interesting... I almost want to call it experiment, but it is an interesting process that we are starting to consider and we'll see where it goes. Absolutely. I mean, if I may just add a little bit, across Africa, the rate of urbanization is growing dramatically. People are flocking to the cities. But the biggest challenge we have is that, yes, it's going to happen invariably because governments are very elite urban types who don't think about rural communities. But what they're not doing even is planning these urban growths. And so you're going to have these fantastically big cities. The top five in the top 10 in the, in the world will be in Africa. 
but completely a mess in terms of lots of services, including health. And I think these are really big challenges for Africa because it will only make the continent unstable if we do not make sure that people are settled. People don't ride in rural areas as easily as they ride in urban. And I think we've seen in South Africa, inequity is just not good for business. I don't think it's good for anyone. <laughs> Absolutely. But I mean, speaking to anyone who thinks about cost of health as being, well, an expense. No, it's an investment. And an investment in the stability and the growth of human beings, which is the best capital we have. And I think that anybody who has any brains between the ears would really think hard about trying to ensure stability in Africa, especially human capital in terms of wealth, health. And I think that is wealth. It's clear that these issues are not new to any of us, unfortunately, but both of you work in spaces where you are trying to move the needle and change things. And you, Ms. Gamede, work quite closely with healthcare workers around the country in rural spaces, trying to support them. So what are your insights in terms of how we can change things? Definitely. So the Rural Health Advocacy Project has a program called the Voice Program, which aims to equip healthcare workers to be advocates in their spaces, right? So I think this is one of the tools that can help in changing the settings because healthcare workers are, I think, well-placed to contribute towards changing healthcare services towards the better because they there, they see service delivery um at hand, you know, they see patients every day. They they basically encounter all of these challenges on a daily basis. So I think with the voice project as one of the tools, healthcare workers can really, you know, start looking at, you know, health just beyond the health facility and start focusing on um the social determinants of health and and also being equipped with the various ways in which health system challenges can can be reported so that quality can improve. So I think that's just one of the ways. Prof Musa, you work not only on the ground, but a little bit more in the policy space. What are your thoughts on how we can change or try to address some of these challenges going forward? Yeah, I, I agree completely with Lungile in that healthcare workers are really important. And policymakers just don't treat them with the kind of respect and appreciate the professionalism with which they've been imbued for a, for a long time in coming out as qualified nurses, doctors, clinical officers, etc. So what I found is just appealing to the good sense of healthcare workers is not enough. What we need is the kind of system that supports it. And I was mm. very um, excited when I heard about the NHI at the outset in 2008. I thought, well, that's going somewhere because having experienced the public service in, in Gauteng in, from 2004 when I came here, yes, we convinced people to take on family medicine as a discipline within the district health service. But quickly I saw that teamwork was not evident and there was no relationship with the community. Uh, it was very nominal. It was almost like that's a little aside, the you know, tick box that we try to do. And when they get too restless, uh-uh, 
no, you know, let's just put them back. And I've seen it, committee, clinic committees being literally turned into queue marshals mm. to handle the community. So when I d- did some research around GPs and their ability to be part of the equation as the NHI talks of, um, and their ability to link up with a capitated system, I found that they were relatively eager. It would be actually a challenge for them to move to bigger practices and to handle larger populations and be distributed across the country. But they brought up risks that said that if we're to really deal with the new payment system, which is really important, then we need to do health promotion, which was really good because mixed capitation would incultivate a health promotion perspective and actually empower the healthcare worker, the professional, to do what needs to be done because they taught how to do this. And I did set up then a practice in Shawelo, which is in Soweto. And we looked at exactly that, looking at the principles that are actually now enshrined in the recent WHO documents, as well as in the Astana Declaration, which says that we need to be having care of defined communities and paneling them. In other words, having a number of people that link up with the practice, not just nebulously run around to clinics, but linked up. And that there's a team-based approach, which is adequately resourced. It needs the mix, not just one, and assuming that everything happens. And then it needs to be strongly community-oriented, which in our setting is not just having the oddball communication with the community, but in fact having in the model that we have in Shawelo, community health workers that go out into the community actually register that patient into the practice and then become the communication between us and the community where we have a continual process of screening, etc. And then in the clinic itself, we've set it up where it's strong family medicine practice like you'd experience in any GP with appointments even. And then very importantly, in the filing system, which is very strongly good family premeds and practice with individual folders in a family folder, we have the community health worker folder, in which the data that they've collected in the community of that person's context is actually in there. So that I as a doctor can say, how are you, Mrs. Lamini? And let me see what's happening in your household, yeah. in your context. And then have a way in which, as I talk to about a high blood pressure, etc., that I can write notes for the community health worker and talk to about, is Busi doing this or visiting you? How has Busi been doing? Mm-hmm. And then have that communication back to the community health worker to then help that patient. And we've been able to do that really strongly. And in addition to that, we've actually had stakeholder collaborations, which don't take too much time, but... The community loves the fact that we're dealing with their illness. Now we can say, hang on, we also need to talk about other things, health promotion. And that's where the targeted health promotion comes in. And that's amazing results. Well, what I'm hearing from both of you is that some of the ways, even on the ground, that we can start bringing about change slowly is not just supporting healthcare workers directly and listening to them and working with them directly, but also looking at the systems that we have even on a lower, more local level, and then connecting directly with the community. Mm. So there's, there's definitely a lot there to think about. Ms. Gameda, we've spoken about uh, quite a few heavy things today, but there's got to be a little bit of an upside. So I think back, for instance, to a conversation where a expert in the space was telling me that his research found a lot of the young doctors who did community service in rural areas reported that they felt like they learned a lot and were equipped with a lot of skills and resilience because of that space. What are some of the things here that are actually positives that we can learn from? 
I think the COVID-19 pandemic has really, I think, thrown healthcare workers in a deep end, you know, where they've had to swim. <laughs> and I think one example that I can point out is at one particular um, district hospital in, in the Oratambo district where due to the lack of ventilators, the healthcare workers came up with um, another, you know, way in which patients who came in who didn't necessarily need full-on support with breathing can be assisted. So using, I think they came up with a, with a process called a bubble CPAP. So that was very innovative. And I think that's just one of the examples that I can pinpoint in how, you know, such extreme situations can plunge healthcare workers to think out of the box and not just depend on what's lacking or what's available, you know, but leveraging off what is already existing. Yeah, I think also just going back to the sense of community and how I think it's very important that healthcare users are a part of, you know, yeah, they, they rather they're co-laborers in, in improving the healthcare system. So I really liked what Prof. Musa is doing in Shawela Clinic and, and how community orientated everything is, because I think taking it back to rural areas, the strong sense of community, they can definitely be something that, that can be leveraged off. Yeah. I'm going to ask you both the question I ask all my podcast guests, since we are speaking directly to healthcare workers. For somebody listening who cares about the sector or who is in the sector, what is the one thing you would want them to take away from this conversation? Well, I think that many of the problems about the system people can rile on about. And mm -hmm. I think people need to think that it is within their hands as healthcare professionals to make a difference. And I think Ms. Gamede has actually pointed out simple things that we do. And what I've done in Shawelo is quite doable anywhere in the country. And people are welcome to go and have a look at it on my website, profmosa.com. I think that to me, it behoves our healthcare practitioners to know that the NHI has potentially valuable um, structure in it. But it's going to be a toss-up between good and more of the same. And I think that any healthcare practitioner out there ought to get more familiar with the conversation around the NHI. Exciting stuff. Ms. Gamede, one thing you'd like healthcare workers to take away? I think I also, in the similar sentiments of Prof. Musao, I would also like healthcare workers to be more aware of the factors that impact health beyond the four walls of a healthcare facility, such as the recent uh, midterm budget policy statement. What impact will that have on health? How can they be more involved in advocating for what they think will work better for not only them, but the communities in which they serve? You know, because again, I think that health is much more than what happens in a clinic or a hospital. And also just to dig deep in that it's not just the virus that we are seeing, that we are treating, but it's something else that's more rooted and just, I think, focusing more on those root causes, those social determinants of health, advocating in those spaces so that health in its holistic form can be achieved for patients more so in rural areas where we know how social determinants of health are, you know, just 
yeah, quite, they play quite a big role in health outcomes, you know, such as the lack of good sanitation. I think that's what I'd like healthcare workers to, to delve more into and to take away from this conversation. Mm. Thank you both so much for joining me. This was a very fruitful conversation and it has left me with a lot to think about. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure. My name is Elna Schutz. I've been speaking to Lungile Gamede from the Rural Health Advocacy Project and Professor Shabir Musa. And you have been listening to GE Vital Voices. Healthcare has never been more accessible, intelligent or dynamic. It's also never been under more pressure. That's where GE Healthcare comes in. You and we, the clinicians and professionals on the front lines of delivering healthcare for your patients and communities. Also, those building the intelligent devices, data analytics, applications and services to enable you to do so more efficiently and with better outcomes. Together, we're at the center of an ecosystem striving for precision health. New episodes are out every month. You can catch them wherever you find your podcasts. But the easiest place to find us is gehealthcare.africa. Also on all the social media, GE Africa is the best place. Join us again next time.